and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. And now on to the show. I'm your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. Today, I am going to be reading a newish middle grade book called The View from the Very Best House in Town by Mira Trehan. I'm going to read you the synopsis. Sam and Asha, Asha and Sam, their friendship is so long established, they take it for granted. Just as Asha takes for granted that Donnybrook, the mansion that sits on the highest hill in Corville, is the best house in town. But when Sam is accepted into snobbish Castleton Academy as an autistic, quote, miracle boy, he leaves Asha, who is also autistic, to navigate middle school alone. He also leaves her wondering if she can take anything for granted anymore. Because soon Sam is avoiding her and spending his free time with Asha's nemesis, Preston. Her family owns Donnybrook, Asha's dream house, but since a neighborhood party gone wrong, they have forbidden Asha from setting foot inside. Who is Asha without Sam? And who will she be when it becomes clear that Preston's interest in her friend isn't so friendly? So that's kind of the setup of the story, and it's told from alternating perspectives. So we'll get Asha, Sam, and the best part is the house. The house is its own character and has its own chapters. There seems to be quite an output lately. It's mostly picture books, but the theme tends to be that the houses, they're like personified people. So they have feelings and their stories are told from the house's points of view. So I find that kind of a really interesting thing that authors are doing. It's been a while since I've read or heard of a middle grade book that has the house as its own sentient being, but... Here we go. So chapter one, this is from Asha's point of view. Spring. Sometimes it seems that Donnybrook is everywhere. You're not supposed to be able to see any part of Donnybrook, the most amazing house Asha has ever set foot in from Sam's backyard. But from up in Sam's cherry tree, Asha spots a speck, black against the blue sky. Donnybrook's creepy weather vane. It's the only bit of Donnybrook she does not love, assuming you don't include the people who live there. I can see Donnybrook, she calls down to Sam, the fluttering in her chest tight and familiar. She'd give anything to go back. Sam doesn't reply. She can hear him, though, at the base of the tree, playing house haunt on her phone, chasing down a pack of buzzing, clicking monster bugs. I can see it from here, Sam. Come up and look. She catches herself. Sam never climbs trees. Actually, sorry, don't. The phone lets out a few short zaps and a long sizzle. Sam must have killed off her infestation of bed thugs. She'll thank him later. Sam, Donnybrook, you can't see that house from here. I can, for real, she says. No, you can't. I, starts Asha, but this time the wind interrupts her, sending the cherry blossom petals around her in a swirl. Separated, they're so pale, they're almost white. It's like she's in a snow globe with her world being turned upside down. And just for that moment, Sam is right. Donnybrook is gone. Chapter 2, told from the point of view of Donnybrook, aka the grandest mansion in Corville and possibly the world. First things first, 
Of course Donnybrook could see the girl. It's a basic law of nature. If she can see it, it can see her. And thanks to the wonderfully strong winds at the top of its hill, last week's storm cleared out a number of trees, not the least of which was one of those bloated oaks that had been practically breathing down its turrets. To be fair, that tree in particular was no worse than the rest of the poplars, pines, maples, and oaks that plagued Donnybrook, blocking the views of the finest residents in Corville. Donnybrook couldn't see the boy she was talking to, though it heard him all too well. Ordinarily, he'd hardly be worth mentioning in the same sentence as the girl, with her excellent architectural taste. But Donnybrook has no choice. In light of the boy's egregious error, he referred to Donnybrook as a house. House? As if Donnybrook were built simply to be an ordinary shelter for an ordinary family? The correct term is mansion. Two syllables even sweeter than the sound of the wood chipper gobbling up a fallen tree. One last time, mansion. <sighs> Chapter three. We should play soccer, says Sam as the petals settle on the ground. He says the last word like he might say booger, although Asha soccer is the one kind of soccer he is willing to play. As Asha climbs down the tree, Sam drags the goal back behind the azaleas, the best spot for hiding it. There's no way his mom can see it from inside the house or even the patio. That was Asha's idea from years ago when his mom first decided that they should play soccer for at least 30 minutes of each play date. One person would run around and kick while the other sat in the hidden goal pretending to be a goalie, but really just spending the time thinking about whatever they wanted to think about. That was okay back then, but now they have phones. Goalie time is even better. You can be goalie first, says Asha. My attic has at ticks, but not attic fanatic, so it should be okay. Sam takes her phone and runs to the goal. To make it fair, they have a rule that the goalie first has to help the person playing soccer with their house haunt house, which means when Asha is goalie, she builds extra wings and levels on Sam's house because that part is boring and hard for everyone except Asha. When Sam is goalie, he fights Asha's monsters because she hates fighting, especially bloodsuckers as big as her avatar. Of course, that's the best part of the game, but whatever, more fun for him. He enters her house haunt house and grabs a flaming torch from the stairway that leads up to the attic. Then he swings open the door. Sure enough, a troop of human-sized ticks is ready to clamp on him and suck, if you even try. But as soon as he points the torch at them, they retreat and he backs them up toward an open window. One by one, they scurry out. Mission accomplished. If only the attic fanatic were so easy to defeat. Sam, Sam. His mom is out on the patio yelling at him. Sam drops Asha's phone and bolts. His mom must have found them out. He searches his brain for some excuse that will let him avoid a lecture on how practicing soccer is for his own good. But before he can come up with anything, he's at the back door. Come inside, says his mom, her voice a little softer. He does as she says, and she shuts the door behind him. Then she throws her arm around him, squeezing hard, and says, We did it, Sam. We did it. As Sam frees himself from her grip, he realizes two things. Whatever his mom is talking about, it's not soccer. And she is not mad. In fact, she's the opposite. Hugh got into Castleton, Sam. Castleton! And to think I was so worried, but you're in. 
Sam's chest tightens and lightens like a star is being born right inside it. Like all the stress inside him is making something new and bright. Miraculous, even. If you believed in miracles. Because Castleton Academy has picked him. It's not just that it's the best school in town. It's not just that it's really hard to get into. It has its own planetarium and its own flag with a Castleton coat of arms. And did he mention its own planetarium? He and Asha used to go on field trips there, and he'd see the kids with their green polo shirts lining up in the halls and wonder what it would be like to have Castleton decide you were good enough to be there every single day. Now he, Samuel J. Moss, is going to find out. His mom is talking faster now and not entirely making sense. We knew you could be Castleton material, but I'm just thrilled they saw it too. You're such a smart kid, but still... It's very competitive, and with your challenges... Challenges? For a split second, the star feeling in Sam's chest dims, but then his mom says, Anyway, none of that matters now because you're going there. After all our work, you're going. Do you realize how amazing this makes you? Being amazing isn't really the kind of thing that can be measured, nor is the awesomeness of being selected by a school with its own planetarium. But in this moment, Sam doesn't care. He's amazing. It's going to be awesome, and that's enough. Oh, Sammy, let me show you the acceptance letter so you can see for yourself. It's up on my computer. This is going to open so many doors for you. Sam takes a look out the window before following his mom upstairs to the study. Asha's back in her tree on the outside looking in. Chapter 4. Asha. Sam has gone a long time. Long enough for Asha to get her phone, see that her house still has a few attics, climb back up the cherry tree, and study the petals that have bunched in the crooks of its branches. She wishes that they actually were snowflakes. Watching snow melt would be better than being stuck in a tree wondering when Sam will come back. She presses on the pattern in the wood where a branch was cut away, her fingerprint to the trees. Finally, she texts her big brother Rowan, even though she's trying not to bug him all the time because he's at college and her parents keep telling her that college is busy. Sam went inside and he's not coming back. Nothing. Rowan is probably busy writing a paper or working on some computer project or doing whatever it is you do when there's only three and a half weeks left in the spring semester. A message pops back up. Time waits for no man. Arg, he's in one of his scholarly moods. He's probably rubbing that stupid stubbly beard he's trying to grow as he types. Stop it, she responds. Sorry, smiley face emoji. Give it a few more minutes. She knows Rowan is trying to be helpful, but he doesn't understand how long Sam's been gone. Should she walk home? It's kind of far, but she's done it before. She could text her mom or dad to come get her, but then they'll want to know what is wrong, and nothing is wrong, except that Sam isn't coming back. Asha takes one last look in the direction of Donnybrook. Yes, it's definitely the weather vane. She can imagine the rest. The deck, so high up that it's almost as if you're looking at a 3D map of the town below. And along the roof and sides, skylights and windows of all shapes. Round, oval, arched, square, and rectangular, narrow, and wide. And inside, columns galore. Some topped with scrolls, other with leaves, and a few with nothing at all. Most of the houses in town are just what you'd expect. Ramblers with galley kitchens and first floor master bedrooms. Center hall colonials with formal dining rooms and symmetric windows. Split levels like her own with short staircases and basement rec rooms. She likes them fine, of course. 
She likes all houses, but they're nothing compared to Donnybrook. She wonders how it would feel today if it had feelings. Would it be celebrating that it was spring? Or, like her, would it be nervous about something? Asha lowers herself down the tree. She squints at the back of the windows of Sam's house but can't see anyone. She runs to the patio door and knocks. There's no reply. She knocks again, louder this time, and then forces herself to turn around, take five steps, and count to ten before knocking again. Before she finishes, the screen door creaks. Sam's back. He steps toward her, then away, then toward her again. Butterflies move like that, and starts and stops, and Asha remembers why they used to scare her when she was little. What's wrong? She asks, before he gets too close. He walks to the soccer ball and kicks it hard enough that it bounces off his fence. What's wrong? She asks again. Nothing is wrong, he replies, and runs over to where the ball landed. You're playing soccer. What's wrong? I'm not. I just kicked the ball once, and I'm happy. That's it. Sam sounds like her mom when she wants to keep a secret. Asha tries again. I think my next house haunt house might sort of look like Donnybrook. If your game is set to difficult mode, there's a house you can pick that has turrets, but also dormer windows. She knows she's told him this before, but at least she's not asking him about the secret he's trying to keep, so he ought to appreciate it. They both have spiral staircases, but in Donnybrook, it's in the back, and in the house haunt one, I think it's in the front. There's also, I'm going to go to Castleton Academy. Sam's voice is proud and stiff, like a pair of new dress shoes. What? Castleton Academy. This time he says it slowly, like it's the name of a foreign country he's reading off a map for the first time. Then he speeds up. That's why my mom called me in, because she just found out I was accepted, and I'm going to go. No! Asha knows sometimes she hears things wrong. This has to be one of those times. You're not. Yeah, I am. And it's the best school in Coralville. And it's got that planetarium, Sam adds, which obviously Asha knows since they've attended three field trips there over the past five years and sat next to each other each time they watched a demonstration of what the sky over Coralville would look like that night. You can't go there. Asha's face is hot, and her head is muddled, like when she's played too much house haunt in the car. She shouldn't even have to say this. It's not just that he's her best friend, or her one friend in middle school, or the friend she's had the longest. It's not just that he keeps her from being alone now that Rowan's off at college. It's that they're the same, and they're different from other kids, especially Castleton kids. She knows this the way she knows the tilt of her roof or the layout of her room. Why can't I go there, says Sam, sounding like Sam again. Asha bites her lip hard. Does he really not know? Her parents have drilled into her that she's not supposed to ask other kids about their diagnoses or differences, not even Sam. But surely he's autistic like her, right? They spent five years in speech together. They get each other. She's never needed to ask out loud because the answer was obvious. But at this moment, she wonders if she's wrong or if she's somehow fallen behind. Why not, he asks again. How can Asha explain this to him without saying what she's not supposed to? She looks up to the sky. Clouds are gathering in the direction of Donnybrook. Preston goes there, Asha finally says. The one girl lucky enough to live in that amazing house and mean enough to keep Asha out. So what? How can Sam say that? 
Asha has told him all about Preston at least a hundred times, about how awful she was that one time Asha visited Donnybrook, and how none of the neighborhood girls would play with Asha afterward, about how Preston and her friends used to giggle whenever they saw Asha at the park or the pool or on a planetarium field trip. And when Asha would ask why, they'd just laugh louder, about how Preston ignores her, but in a way that feels even worse than the laughing ever did. I'm talking about Preston Donaldson. I know, you always talk about her. She's Preston the, I don't care about her or her house. What is going on with Sam? He doesn't even finish their joke. It's like he's pulling away on purpose. Asha is flooded with the urge to yank him back and shake him until he understands. We're not like her. We're not. She points at him hard and accidentally pokes his chest. She instantly regrets it. But before she can apologize, Sam picks up the soccer ball and runs back inside his house. You're wrong, and I'm going to Castleton just like her, he calls before the wind slams the door shut behind him. More petals swirl through the air, clouding Asha's view. Her world is spinning again, but this time she doesn't feel like she's in a snow globe. She just feels sick. Okay, chapter five. I'm just going to read this one last one because it's very, very short. And it's from the point of view of Donnybrook, the mansion, that simply requests that you use the proper terminology. To be clear, the boy is as similar to Preston as a simple rambler is to Donnybrook. In fairness, no child can truly compare to her, just like no other home can compare to Donnybrook. That's the whole point of being the best. You're in a class by yourself. And again, Donnybrook is a mansion. If you must call it a house, then, like Mrs. Donaldson, please be sure to affix the term dream beforehand, as in dream house. And that is the end of the chapter. Now I realize I read the equivalent of five chapters of that book, but they are very, very short. So it was only about 13 pages that I actually read, so it's okay. But I hope you found what I read intriguing enough to check it out. If not, well, there's always another book waiting to be discovered. So please check the show notes for books with similar themes. I will try to find a book that has a house as a main character, but I make no promises. And I hope that you join me next time for another Next Reads. Thanks for listening.